This is Advancing Your Business, Your People, and Your Legacy podcast, where we will discuss all things that impact the growth, value, and sustainability of privately held businesses. This podcast is produced by the Rawls Group Business Succession Planners, and I am Kendall Rawls, your moderator. In this series focused on where are all the leaders, Aisha Bascaro of the American Franchise Academy and Jeff Bannon of the Rawls Group will tackle unique challenges multi-unit franchisees face in recruiting, developing, and retaining top talent. This series covers a variety of discussion topics, so after you finish this installment, be sure to check back in to listen to the remainder of the conversation. Here we go. So we're going to get started on the, the first question. Jeff, what are some of the primary challenges business owners are facing in their organizations related to talent? Uh, hi, Kendall. Good morning. Um, so, you know, I look at the, the challenges with, with most uh, businesses at this point um, in two categories. One is the retention of young talent. Uh, how do we keep our good people? And, and or bring them in the door. And two is, you know, how do we uh, um, address the uh, the aging out of, success, of uh, successful leaders in the organization today? So in terms of you know retaining young employees, um, you know there's a there's a lot going on, particularly in the franchise industry, is you know um, a lot of hiring going on instead of recruiting, and that's common in most organizations. When we do a self-assessment in the organization, we we tend to look at um, you know people based on on two criteria. One is are they performing, and two is you know how's their attitude and behavior. And when you assess what kind of people are in your organization down this, we can um, identify essentially uh, four categories of people. There's there's the warm bodies. Those people are are the ones that you um, that you just needed to fill a spot. They came in the door. They had a, a heartbeat. You could fog a mirror with an application, you said, come on, come on aboard. Um, and they neither perform and typically don't really carry a great attitude. You know, the, the next level is the, is the cheerleaders, and those are the people who have a great attitude, behavior, you know, rah, rah, but they don't really produce any results or perform very well. Um, and they're typically hard to, hard to fire, those types of people. And then you shift over to the people who are performing, um, and you either get what we would call a corporate terrorist, someone who, who gets the results, but they can do it in a way that's going to get a business owner in trouble. And um, finally, you have your rock stars or the people that you're trying to find. Those are the people that bring results with a good attitude and behavior. And the truth is, without uh, a concerted recruiting effort, you typically hire those warm bodies, cheerleaders, and will get into terrorists. And in that process of hiring, even when there there is a, a formal application process where they're looking, um, many owners typically look at what someone's past performance has been uh, versus um, what their attitude and behaviors are when they hire based on the performance and then fire them ultimately because of attitudes and behavior. So um, there's a lot of dynamics that happen in that initial process of bringing someone on. And the other thing that compounds this is if you already have good people in your organization, uh, competitors know it, and unless there's a, um, a communication of upward mobility to talented people, um, they're always going to be drawn to, to, the, to greener pastures. Um, as it relates to the to the aging leaders in the organization, um, as a blanket statement, I'd say that 
um, the boomers are starting to, the baby boomer generation is starting to age out. Um, the Gen X isn't necessarily enough to, to go around for all, to replace everybody. And the millennials generally aren't ready to fill those holes. So um, in the organizations we work with, um, every job description and an executive level comes with a, a criteria that they train their successors. And eventually, if you don't have succession as part of that job description with your current leaders, um, then ultimately that business will need to get sold. And that's been our experience for the most part. Great. Um, hey, Alicia, how are you doing today? Hello. Great. Good to be here. Great. Oh, good. Um, so what about from your perspective? You know, something that I have uh, seen a lot in the industry and really in the economy in general is that we have very low unemployment currently, and that is causing a lot of challenges in the industry because if you don't have enough people to choose from, obviously that's when you make sometimes poor decisions and who you're going to hire. And to compound that, now you have a high turnover in the franchise world because as you know, we are a first job industry. And so, so not only do we not have enough people to choose from so that we can have the right people in place, but with the high level of turnover uh, that we experience, we are constantly hiring uh, and looking. And so that, I believe, is what one of the primary challenges uh, that business owners face right now, the lack of choice uh, for people that they can hire, and then, then on top of that, the turnover that we, they experience due to people moving on to the next job. And so they find themselves spending an inordinate amount of time, uh, you know, recruiting and interviewing and hiring, you know, only for them to then lose the people uh, soon thereafter. And so the investment of time and effort and money to do that uh, is tremendous. And uh, it takes them away from being able to focus on their leadership and operations and, and their business. And so that's what I see is, you know, the primary challenge today. Great. Thank you. Um, so here's another question for you, Aisha. Um, are you seeing a change in motivation or expectation of up-and-coming leaders as compared to years past? Yes, absolutely. Many of um, the newer um, leaders are coming out of college uh, expecting immediate manager-level lo- manager jobs. And they don't have experience. Somehow they, they believe, well, they've been taught in the university or college that if they know how to read a profit and loss statement or if they know how to do uh, the costing of a product, they automatically qualify because they have a four-year degree into becoming managers of businesses. When the reality, one of the biggest and most important things that you need to be able to have or do as far as skills is that interpersonal uh, skill. And the problem is that obviously a lot of that you only get from uh, experience and, um, and long-term knowledge. And so for you to be able to gain your people's respect and being able to cause change through them, leadership is a key role. And that's not something that colleges are teaching you. And even if they are, uh, it's mostly theory, not practical. And so once they go out there in the world, they are promoted or, or hired into a leadership position, and they are quick to to fail because they don't have the tool, the tools and the knowledge to be able to lead a team into actually implementing and causing change, um, in, you know, in the industry. And so that's uh, a serious uh, change. Uh, 
on the upcoming leaders. As well as the the new generation, they value a lot more time, freedom, and flexibility than they do money and growth. And so, you know, way back in our day, right, baby boomers, we used to, we work hard, put our head down, and we're willing to do what it takes to make it happen. The new generation, uh, you know, they they value that flexibility and freedom a lot more than they do that, you know, let's get, let's work hard and, and grow. Not everybody, of course, but uh, I think that that's one of, it's going to one of the challenges and changes on generations, which which is why franchisees and business owners need to really adapt. I mean, I see it on my clients how, you know, how we look at salary strategies and minimum hours and, you know, and even what are the benefits that uh, can offer. In the past, it was mostly about money and growth. Now it's about flexibility of time and uh, and job sharing. And so it's uh, definitely a, a difference in the leaders of today from the leaders of yesterday and as a franchisee and business owner, you need to be able to understand that and flex your way and how you manage your business so that you can adjust and still work, you know, well and accomplish your goals, you know, through a different generation. Great. Thank you. Um, and Jeff, what about from your perspective? Well, I, I agree. It's, um, I think Aisha brought up a very good point. Um, you know, the, the socialization of the social skills and interpersonal skills, um, you know, are certainly a critical component to leadership, if not the most important component of leadership. And, you know, education does not necessarily equate to, <laughs> you know, learning how to uh, be effective with different types of personalities. Um, and, you know, and this is, you know, compounded, I think, by social media and the way uh, the people are communicating nowadays versus the old days, which is translating a lot in the way business is getting done, I think. Um, you know, there's, there's less of the, hey, let's go have a drink and work something out on the back of a napkin uh, rather than let's, let's text about this or, you know, uh, see what we can we can do via electronic communication. But, you know, I think that this is also a, a an age-old issue. Um, you know, what comes to mind for me is a, a client we've been working with for several years who um, was a key manager who was the, the, the dubbed successor of the owner. And the owner had a very uh, effusive, uh, affable personality who it was a sales-related industry, and he preferred to have his office up front and shake the hands of everybody that came in his in his stores and um, was just a real likable guy. And, and he achieved success via just, um, you know, his, his uh, interpersonal skills. Well, the successor had a much more... Um, uh, you know, CPA type of background, which was an analytical approach and less interpersonal skills. And the minute that uh, the owner decided to step aside and let the key manager uh, assume assume control, the key manager took over, took that office and moved it from the front of the store out to the back up, you know, up a flight of stairs down the hallway with a locked door. And, and the owner, I remember talking to him, said, I don't see this guy is ever going to succeed in this business. Well, the truth is, as a leader uh, in, in the organization, he just did it differently. Accountability looked a little bit different, um, and communication was certainly a little bit different, but he grew that store um, about four times to what it was originally. And so, I, you know, the, I think the trappings in this are that a lot of owners look at leadership as uh, through their own lens. Um, how do they, you know, leadership must be what I'm doing and continue in the same manner I'm doing it. Um, and often, as a result, they, they, may, they can dismiss talent pretty quickly that way. So, I, you know, all that being said, I think that the, um, 
the way in which people are going to lead it might be changing, and that's I think it's constantly going to be changing um, in an organization. Some owners are comfortable with that, and some aren't. <clears throat> yeah, you know, and going back, one of the changes, you know, with the uh, the expectation of the new and up and coming leaders and uh, the graduate, you know, thinking that having a four year degree in college is going to be enough, but the reality is that while Six to six percent of kids go to college. Only thirty-five percent actually graduate with a four-year degree. So this is why it's so important that we don't just look at a college degree, but we actually look at who we have within our organization, so that we are able to promote from within. Degree or no degree, you know, like we mentioned, you know, leadership skills come from beyond uh, what uh, a book can teach you. You know, it really comes from who you are and your personality and how you were able to cause change. And uh, like Jeff was mentioning, it takes different personalities. Just because you're one type of personality doesn't mean that, you know, you're not going to be able to be successful. You may still be able to be successful if you find your way in which you can inspire people to produce results. And so that's very important. And it's why the reason more and more companies nowadays, you know, companies like Google and others, are no longer requiring a four-year degree when they're looking to hire people. And so these new leaders are different. Um, doesn't mean that they're bad. They're just different. And being able to, as, as the leaders that are receiving them, uh, understand that and adjust the same the same way that the ones that are coming out, uh, they need to understand that just having a degree is not enough. You do need to be able to understand and learn the art of leadership. And uh, and that's the thing, the key that's going to make a difference uh, in any business. Aisha, um, in terms of the the statistics you talked about, um, college degrees and, and that sort of thing, where is the talent pool? Are people who are graduating from college interested in um, working for a franchisee? Do they even think about that as an option? And if not, where where do people look for good talent? Yeah, you know, uh, kids that are coming out of college, I don't know how much they actually understand, you know, the franchise industry in itself, uh, how it means that somebody that's a franchisee, uh, they have um, a business and they're independent. And so I think that a lot of education is going on. I know that uh, part of the things that we do with our, my clients are is the recruiting part. And we spend a significant amount of time to see what tools and resources uh, in the local area as well as online they can use to more effectively to get as many candidates as possible. And so sometimes we find ourselves uh, teaching, you know, these uh, these candidates what a franchise is because many people don't even understand what is a franchise. They see brands and then they see small what I call mom and pop, you know, businesses that are, you know, not, you know, uh, global brands that people are, are familiar with, you know, the one and twos, you know, units. And so, first of all, is 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 be able to explain and, and educate the, you know, the um, the new workforce of what is a franchise, and then realize that when you are in a multi-unit franchise environment, the possibility for growth, even if it's within the restaurant industry or car wash, you know, industry or dry cleaners industry, if you are in a chain, you have the possibility for growth. So, so I, you know, that's where, you know, how I see it. So it is up to the owner to go and find where can we find those candidates. And like I said, it's not only online, while online and social media and the new 
uh, recruiting sites are a very valuable source. Uh, also, they, the other social media like Facebook and you know and Instagram are great sources, but we can never diminish the ability of finding people locally uh, in the local colleges and the uh, lo- uh, universities and churches and you know there's the even the traditional old-fashioned ways is a great way to find you know those leaders. So you know they're. You know, they're out there and it's up to the owner to go and find where those they are. So, and then educate those applicants so that they see that if you're going into the franchise world, it's not just about flipping burgers. You know, you may start that way. Like myself, I started delivering pizzas many, many years ago and um, made a whole career out of it, not even expecting it. Uh, and so that's part of the education that has to happen for these applicants so that the franchisees and business owners are able to expand uh, where they can find their candidates. So, Jeff, out of the 35% of people who do graduate with a four-year degree, um, how do franchisees overcome the from college to manager entitlement mentality that seems to be a growing trend? Um, I think, uh, number one, I think um, expectations need to be set early in the hiring process, and whether that's a clear job description and, and, and org chart, obviously depending on what level they're coming in at. Um, you know, if someone flipping burgers doesn't need to see the organizational chart per se, but uh, when you're looking at filling um, – you know, management positions, I think that the setting realistic expectations is critical. Um, you know, cause in, in getting over the, the, the concept that education equals advancement, um, I'm higher educated and therefore I should, should demand a higher job. Um, you know, I believe every organization is a little bit unique in that, um, there's nuances to the cultures, um, that everybody feels when they go into, um, when they first go to work. And within that culture, it, it's, uh, I think it's imperative um, that, you know, there is a, um, an upward mobility communication to all the talented people who are walking in the door, uh, particularly as it pertains to timelines um, and awareness. Um, you know, what we see a lot of is, you know, I've been here six months. I'm not making an impact. I think it's time for me to leave. Um, and, and so, you know, a lot of people or a lot of younger generation uh, getting hired out of college feel that, hey, I've got bills to pay. I've got these student loans that are out of control. Uh, when do I get six figures and how quickly can I advance to get on to, uh, you know, buying my yacht as quick as possible? So setting those expectations early is, is important. And I think, you know, overall the, there's a there's a perception, I, I believe, in the of the franchise industry um, that, you know, there's an inherent conflict between what uh, a highly educated person has heard throughout their developmental life, which is, you know, it's all about, you know, you choose what you want to specialize in, you, you, you know, whether whatever major that's going to be, and then, you know, focus on becoming your best self and its individuality. And that's inherently conflicting with the idea of a franchise that has a very standardized processes and procedures, which says, you know, we are this brand, this is how we do things, and, you know, get on board or get out. Uh, perception uh, that can be intimidating to people graduating from college. I didn't sign up to go, you know, slave away in someone else's, you know, uh, job uh, job model that they've built for me. Um, I want to be the best me. So I think breaking down that, that perception is, is critical to getting more highly talented people into the industry. Yeah, let me add that. I think that's something else that is important uh, as you do make 
uh, clear of what the expectations should be. Uh, giving people the opportunity to have a like a job shadow or a view of what the role is going to be once they are in the organization, so that they understand, you know, what what they're going to get into. And, uh, you know, even not hire somebody to go directly into a manager position just because they have a college degree, but actually give them maybe an interim first step type of role, like a shift lead or, um, you know, even before an assistant manager, right, so that at least they they can go in there and uh, demonstrate what they are, are able to do because I do have to say that if you are somebody that has a four-year four college degree, that actually represents that you have certain characteristics that are also valuable for a job. Like, for example, you have a commitment. You are uh, able to keep your timelines. You have you know, past tests and moments of stress. So the fact that you have a four-year degree, it demonstrates that you have, have acquired or have either the skills or the personality to make that happen, which is why not so many people graduate from four-year degree. So that, it does demonstrate that you have certain skills, but doesn't mean that you have all of them. And so I think that creating one of those interim positions, uh, you know, that you can come in, uh, get on board, and start maybe not at the bottom washing dishes, but at a level in which you can then demonstrate, okay, yeah, I do have some knowledge, I do have some skills. So, but then now let me prove myself at a lower level, um, still leadership position, and then move myself up to eventually becoming a manager. I think that uh, doing something like that uh, will provide, so it will have the, these applicants not totally start at the bottom, but not also give them the key to the kingdom where they can get, you know, do serious damage to the business and give them the vision of where they need to be. And at least they know, okay, if you are able to accomplish these goals with the, within a certain timeline, then you eventually will be able to get to that leadership role. And so I think that that's something that franchisees can do to overcome that entitlement mentality because at least they know, okay, I come with a degree, so I'm not going to totally start at the bottom, and I have a clear path of how I can get to the next level. So I think that that's going to be important for both, also for the owner, so that they can see if this person is able to then do the task and lead the team and and uh, and produce the results that they expect. Um and for the, the team member that is, you know, joining the organization, being able to have, you know, be, have, have some credit in the fact that they do have a degree and what that means, you know, com- compared to others that don't. So I think that that's something that um, franchisees can do. Great. Thanks. Um, <clears throat> so moving on to focusing on the business owner, um, and then I think this next question represents something that um, franchisees struggle with is, um, so, Aisha, in your opinion, how can franchisees move from the doer and manager and growing their portfolio while creating a culture of leadership for up-and-comers? Yeah, you know, um, I always say that there are two jumps in career that are the most difficult ones in the franchise world. And one is from being a regular team member to being promoted to being uh, an assistant manager or manager within the same organization because people see you in a different way. And then the other one is to go from a, being a general manager of location, right? You own, you're the king of the castle, that's your location, you do, you do, you do, to then becoming a multi-unit uh, supervisor or owner, right? And so having one thing is to do and another one is to have inspire others to do. And so that's one of the things that uh, owners and uh, managers, if they want to continue to grow, 
one of the things that it is important that they understand is the difference between being the manager and being the leader and understanding that for you to be able to be the leader and be able to grow, you need to be able to master the skill of delegation and follow-up. Uh, and, and that's going to be something that is very important and is very difficult for many because they're so used to being the one in charge, the one making the decisions, the one doing the action. And for and one of the key things that for, you know, to be able to grow is to be able to delegate uh, the responsibilities to others and to master the way of follow-up. That's one of the things that uh, I always say the magic is in the follow-up because you can delegate if you delegate properly, meaning training people, giving proper uh, job descriptions, expectations, uh, responsibilities, like clear as, as clear as possible, and then just giving them the empowerment and, and then do the proper follow-up. Uh, and that's when you do that and you're able to do that, then you are able to then hand in the reins of the different units uh, and businesses so that you can then focus more on the growth and the strategic plan for the company. And so I think that's going to be one of the keys for to be able to uh, grow. And, and when you do that, you're also then giving and empowering and giving the people the ability to become leaders because you are giving them the ability to to take charge. And so all of that, for somebody that wants to grow uh, their enterprise, is going to be very important, and it's very difficult for some, you know. And as long as they are aware, I think awareness is going to be, is going to be key, awareness of how that's something that they need to do and that awareness that is difficult for them. And once they, they have those two, they can start practicing doing that. And I think that's what's going to be key for anybody that wants to grow. And what about from your experience, Jeff? Um, well, I think this is, you know, the, the question being, um, you know, how, how do franchisees move from being the doer manager to growing and create culture of leadership for up-and-comers? I think, you know, before making the assumption that that's what they want to do, we have to start with a question is, is that what they want to do? Um, you know, because I know lots of entrepreneurs love being their own boss. They love going out and making a deal, buying and selling, and just creating cash flow for themselves, at, you know, at their will, whether it's just buying and selling units and, you know, creating a lifestyle for themselves, whatever that, whatever they want it to look like. Um, you know, obviously a decision to, to move and grow, um, and, and promote yourself, I call it a promotion from management to leadership. And that's essentially going from the CEO, managing a handful of stores and into a chairman type of role, overseeing, um, you know, another layer of management structure. Uh, there's a lot to that. And inherent in that, as Aisha pointed out, is, is a lot of delegation. Um, and, and delegation is difficult <laughs> for many entrepreneurs simply because many of them carry an idea that I do this the best and therefore I'll do it. Um, and so that does become a, a difficult um, process to to grow into. Um, and, and delegation, obviously, it, you know, it, in its own right, is is challenging because it needs to be done in stages before you can fully trust someone to, um, you know, hand it off and walk away from them. Um, so. You know, I think that it, first it starts with their their motivation, the owner's motivation perspective, and then it comes down into what is their strategic plan? What is the timeline? What do we want to grow to? And and there's obviously a lot of very tough questions to answer through that process. Um, so you know, if if there isn't delegation or there isn't a clear you know uh, strategic plan for for how to do it, um, obviously. 
obviously there's very limited growth opportunity in the organization, and it comes back to the, the fundamental question, is that okay for the owner? Um, you know, and, and if it's not, and if it is an, an owner who does want to look at growing just for the sake of growing and keep going, then they need to have a very realistic expectation of what that is going to look like. And having gone through the process quite a bit, I can tell you um, there's lots of difficult questions in that process. But um, uh, nonetheless, I think uh, it is a worthwhile endeavor for um, pretty much every one of the, the clients I've worked with to, to get there. So, um, you know, I, I think that um, creating that culture and vision and that strategic plan does open up lots of opportunities for leadership and comes back to the core of our discussion, which is how do we recruit and retain talent? Um, and so without the, the plan and the commitment to the growth and the delegation, the answer is simply you, you, you're not going to retain much talent <laughs> or, or recruit much in. So, Jeff, how can franchisees build a sustainable talent model, meaning growing from the inside versus hiring from the outside? Well, um, you know, that, that ties into the, the strategic planning component. Um, you know, I believe, you know, we believe that organizationally that, um, you know, having the right people and right seats on the bus obviously is a critical uh, component to, to being successful in the long run. And in order to ensure we're doing that right, we take it away from uh, gut feelings and, and, you know, hiring people on the spot or, or you know, bringing people in who we like, uh, which is not always the best um, approach to, to filling out your organization. If we remove it from basically how the owner feels about a person and puts it into a, a quantifiable metric, such as the use of um, strength-based assessments. We use one called the ProScanner or PDP Works. Um, it, it helps every business owner identify what is specifically is it I'm looking for in a person in this role. And as we interview through the process, we can have them take these assessments and essentially match them up to what their strengths are in alignment with, with the job description um, and then move away from whether or not we like a person um, and stop hiring based on, as I said before, you know, their past performance was was good or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But we put it in a quantifiable measure, measurement. So implementing that type of tool, number one, helps people get in the right seats and spots. And number two becomes a, a coaching tool to say, you know, number one, th or this is your self-awareness. Um, these are your strengths. This is where you're getting, getting in trouble. And here's where you're, you know, naturally going to communicate with people. Um, and any growth in a leader starts with that self-awareness. So these types of tools are very effective in, in creating that first step of self-awareness. And the second, um, it's leveraged again into how are you impacting other people? Because uh, essentially, you know, anybody who is, um, you know, supposedly developing a leadership role without anybody following, is basically taking a walk. They're not effective as a leader. So they need to understand the way in which they um, affect other people. And, you know, getting your middle management into a position of knowledge from self-awareness and knowledge of their impact on communication with people is uh, very, very impactful on the likelihood of future success of the business. Yeah, let me add that one of the one of the the characteristics of owning a franchise is 
or should I say when you buy a franchise, you're buying the brand systems, you're buying the product and, and the instructions and procedures and training on how to reproduce the product, uh, the service, the design, the proven service, right, and the instructions, procedures, and training materials on how to execute the service and, of course, the image and how to duplicate the image from the brand. And then, of course, national marketing or regional marketing and how to support that and take that, make that, use that to your advantage. One of the things that you're not getting when you buy a franchise is how to develop people into future leaders. And so franchisees that are acquiring a franchise thinking, oh, I'm going to get everything that I'm going to need to be successful uh, and not realize that there are many things that they're not getting and one of them is how to develop future leaders uh, is, is going to be critical for them to understand that so that they know that that's going to be their responsibility. For the success of franchisees, they have, there are two responsibilities. One is from the brand to produce and, and provide a brand, a proven brand that is continuing innovation in support of the franchisees and replicating that successful brand. And the responsibility from the side of the franchisee is the management ability, skills, tools, and resources so that they can manage the business and make the most out of the franchise. And so that leadership program, those how to develop them and grow them from within and uh, doing all of that is, is going to be critical. Now, some, some uh, brands do provide some resources. So, for example, when I first joined the franchise world as a pizza delivery driver, I remember the reason I decided to stay and grow within the organization was because there was this thing on the wall that was in the manager's door. Uh, it was a chart, and it was called Pyramid of Success. And as a delivery driver, I see these these papers, and there were three of them in my manager's wall, and each of them belonged to an assistant manager. And what it was, it was an up, it was a vertical list of all the things that newly promoted assistant managers had to go through to go from uh, level one to level two to level three to then becoming a general manager of a location. And that gave me a clear picture of what it would take for me as a pizza delivery driver to become a general manager. And so something like that, obviously that's something that the brand offers, um, but it was up to the franchisee to take advantage of that. And I know that some did and some didn't uh, because it was up to the franchisee to execute. And so being able to either use the tools that the brand provides for you to be execute or create your own if the brand is not providing one is going to be very important for you to be able to have a sustainable model for you to grow people from within your organization and not have to take as, you know, as much risk hiring from the outside. Because at least the people that are already in your organization, you know them, you know how they perform, you know their personalities, you know the ethics. And so just being able to then offer them the opportunity and a structured way in which they can grow from the bottom to the leadership of a location uh, is going to be very important. And then not only have that model, but actually walk the, you know, walk the talk, which means do promote people into those positions. And then as you are promoting people that go through that process that you create, Others in your organization are going to see, wow, not only is it in the wall, it is there, but it's true. It really exists and it's really applied because I remember Joe who started here as a, you know, um, 
I don't know, car wash cleaner, and now he's going off and being promoted to run his own, you know, car wash or his own, you know, dry cleaners or, you know, et cetera, or whatever brand that is. And so I think that if you have that, that structured process for you to develop your people and acquire the skills that they're missing to eventually lead, and some people might be doing it faster than others, and it's okay, uh, and then actually execute it and promote people, that is what's going to give you the people inspired to stay with the organization and go through the process because they are going to be able to have that opportunity to grow and be the leaders that they want to be and not only increase um, the, the, um, the ability to grow, but also their income, the, you know, and their future, et cetera. So I think that's going to be uh, crucial for them to be able to have that um ongoing model and, and be able to have more people from within being promoted and grow than from the outside and taking those high-risk uh, um, high decisions. So, Jeff, the franchise industry has inherently been a revolving door for entry-level or rotating door jobs. How can franchise owners change that perspective to attract talent that wants to stay? Um, Aisha provided some really great strategies in terms of providing a path forward. What other things um, could you think of? Well, I, th- um, I think that, you know, a lot of that's out of control. The employers, you know, people want to take ownership of turnover, but the fact is that those levels, um, you know, minimum wage, life circumstances, you know, mo- mobility of people at that age all contribute to that fact. So there's, you know, there's a lot of that is unavoidable. Um, I, I think that one of the strongest messages I've heard, um, you know, in my career was, you know, wanted to stick around was, hey, you know, you're weird like the rest of us. This is going to be great. And there's just a sense of belonging uh, in that kind of communication, which just comes from a recognition of culture and synergy. Um, You know, people aren't naturally going to be drawn to, obviously, uh, brand, you know, whatever the brand is, it's naturally going to be drawn to the other people in the organization. So, um, you know, I think that having a, a, a synergistic culture is, um, is critical to retention and, you know, whether, it gives, you know, it gives people incentive to stay beyond simply just uh, identification with a brand and a paycheck. Um, I think the other component here is, you know, is understanding motivations um, are, are evolving as well. Um, while, you know, the, the general assumption for, for many owners when look at their employees is that they're motivated to make more money and have more opportunity, um, and that's not true as much as it used to be. Um, the truth is they are equally motivated by, um, you know, their impact on society, what, you know, what the company is all about. Are we green? Are we doing things to help the world, et cetera, et cetera. And, and the more of those types of things that are communicated at the beginning um, will create a stronger sense of synergy, which ultimately helps the retention of um, the, the all levels of employment within the company. Yeah, Kendall, let me add that one of the things that, and I think we all know, is that people stay or quit their bosses, you know? And that is true in the franchise world as in any business, even corporate, et cetera. And being the leader that people are looking for, you know, that being the leader that people follow and respect and enjoy, even if you're tough. I mean, being the leader that people are looking for doesn't mean that you have to be the nice person that lets them get away with everything. As a matter of fact, I've seen that the best leaders that people will follow to the end of the earth are those that have high standards and hold the people to high standards, everybody. 
Because at the end of the day, people want to work with good people. And a good leader identifies that and, and holds everybody to the high standard so that everybody does their part. And so I think that one of the ways that you can reduce or fight that uh, rotating door, as we speak, right, that uh, turnover, or should I say, let's put it in a positive way, right? How can you increase retention? And that is to be that person, that leader that, people are looking for in an environment where they can thrive, do their job, feel supported, and not see other people, uh, you know, take, take advantage of them. And so I think that that's going to be very important. I see it time and time again, where if, if I see a leader, you know, a franchise owner that cares about the people but has high standards and, uh, and, and holds people accountable to for their actions, People are tend to have, uh, you know, they have lower the lower turnover, and so I think that's going to be very important. Um, uh, obviously, and that's part of the culture and the environment of work. And you know, and I know that even if you only have one unit, right, and maybe there is no possibility for growth, being part of a franchise organization means that you are in a network of people where once you develop the people and you know that they've been with you for a while and they are future leaders, but you don't have anything to offer them, you know, then you maybe with your connections can find them growth opportunities with fellow franchisees that are growing. I mean, if people see that you care that much about them and you do something like that, uh, people will stay. They will stay and they, and, and, and they know that when they're ready, you will find them, you know, that growth opportunity if, in fact, you're not the one that's growing. And so being that type of leader, that type of person uh, that does that uh, is what's going to have people stay with you longer that they don't. Uh, you know, again, people quit their bosses, not so much the companies or their job, and that's why who you are as a leader and how much you care about your people is going to be very important in this environment. One thing I, w- I want to make sure I, we add is, um, you know, in, in the opportunity, I showed you brought a great point. It's the, uh, you know, it's answering that what's in it for me question for that highly talented manage- managers who are looking for ownership. Um, you know, a critical component that not many um, organizations do is in- include a, a non-qualified deferred compensation type of plan, which would be essentially providing all the, the cash flow benefits of ownership without actually providing ownership and structuring it in a way that says, you know, hey, if you stick with me for, you know, 10, 15 years, I'll make sure your your retirement is secured, um, you know, going forward through this this type of structure. And in the meantime, if we find more opportunities for you to go own, we promise to go look for and, and seek opportunities for them. Uh, you know, you can take those those types of plans and, and, and pledge them into an ownership position somewhere else. So there, there's lots of unique ownership structure ways to uh, to lock down or, or provide golden handcuff structures to those people. Um, and, and this particularly comes in, into play when you have an, a, an age uh, differential between the owner and the, and the key manager, whereas the owner might be looking at it you know, I want to stay involved as long as I feel like it, which is an undefined length of time. And you have a key manager looking at the owner saying, um, how long is the old man going to stick around? I better start looking for other opportunities because if he retires, I don't want to go down with his ship. Mm-hmm. And so it overcomes a lot of those types of challenges um, through that process of developing um, a, a formal type of compensation or a golden handcuff plan. 
So, Aisha, in terms of um, the staying or quitting your boss, um, how do you encourage franchise owners to ensure that they are getting the knowledge, skills, and um, the, the coaching they need to be themselves a great leader and to develop their own leaders? Yeah, you know, first of all, I would say I think it all starts before they even become franchisee, right? When you become a franchisee or a business owner in general, uh, you're saying yes to being a leader uh, of people because I don't know many, many franchises that you can run it, be successful, and you'll be the only one. You're always going to have or need people to help operate uh, whatever business you have. And so understanding that, be able to educate yourself through either uh, books and practice, also through doing the job before you become a franchisee, but work in, in that franchise and understand what it takes to make that happen. Also becoming, you know, being in the franchise world, I mentioned before, you are a part of a network of other franchisees and leaders, and learning from them is going to be very crucial to find out what works for them. The sharing of best practices, I know in all the brands that I worked with, was a very important uh, thing that we focused on. As a matter of fact, I was in charge of adding two brands, of uh, having a, a way for to capture best practices from franchisees and, and uh, find ways for franchisees to be able to learn from other franchisees. So creating the opportunity where they can come and learn from those uh, top you know, 5% franchisee. So that's very important. So not only you develop yourself and find ways to do it through, you know, education, books, you know, blogs, you know, um, a podcast like this, but also uh, reaching out to your fellow franchisees and getting all the information you can from them or how it works for them and learning from them. But of course, you know, one of the things that I, I also I also suggest, right, is hire a business coach, somebody that has done it, been there, done that, and have them teach you uh, how to be and become that leader that you need to be for your organization. You know, and I think that uh, we don't talk enough about that, and uh, there are people out there that can do that. That's one of the things that I that I that I do with my clients is you know teach them the the art of leadership and what specifically it means and what are the actions so that they are able to uh, learn if they don't know if they're not uh, clear or create a structure in which they can start implementing it and then give them guidance along the way on, you know, and brainstorming things that they encounter. I think that that is important. And, by the way, that leadership skill is ongoing because who the people were, you know, 20, 30 years ago, they're, that's not the same employees of today. And so that learning how to be a leader is an, you know, ongoing education. I always tell people that uh, even though I have written about leadership and teach leadership, I'm still a, uh, a student of leadership because that changes constantly. And so being aware of that and reaching out to resources and people that can help you become better at it is, is the way to, to be able to, to get there and continue to get there as you continue to be a leader in your organization. And Jeff, what about from your perspective? Um, in terms of franchise owners, you know, ensuring that they can, they have the knowledge, skills, and trust to develop their leaders. Um, you know, it goes back to something I said earlier, I think, that, um, you know, some owners, <laughs> you simply don't want to take the time um, to do it, and other owners uh, who are committed to doing it uh, would love to get engaged. Now, 
<laughs> that doesn't mean they're all good teachers. Those who want to get engaged in doing it are good coaches. Um, you know, a lot of them have a lot of industry knowledge, but, you know, communicating that knowledge in a way that's, that's manageable is, uh, can be a difficult task. You know, um, it, it can, it can be challenging at, at best sometimes. So, you know, I, I, I remember, um, hearing when I was back playing baseball years ago and hearing, uh, Raphael Palmero, who's a great hitter, um, take the time to explain how to hit. And, you know, he's a very, you know, he's an excellent big league hitter. I couldn't wait to hear what he had to say. And he said, well, you put your feet here and you put your hands here. And then when the pitcher throws the ball, you do this. And he showed. And I went, well, that's wonderful, but what in the heck is this? And I think a lot of business owners fall in that category where uh, they're entrepreneurs. They, they they brought themselves up. They took risks. They had an instinct to, to get where they are today. And the question is, you know, are those traits transferable or do they have the ability to communicate those traits to try to replicate themselves? And that, that therein lies the challenge. So in the rare occasion where you do have someone who does have the ability to communicate effectively what it's going to take and the time and the willingness to do it, then wonderful. But for the rest of the world, you know, there's outside help is needed. Um, and whether that's a business coach or, you know, whatever it is, a management training coach, um, you know, we, I believe in, in the development of a, of a curriculum. Now, if, if an owner has identified someone, you know, with, with, some sense of surety that this is a person they like to develop, then, you know, I believe in developing a curriculum that, that spells out here are the timelines of, of your development that I see happening for you. Here's the education requirements I think you'll need to become a leader. Here's the management training you'll need. Um, and here's the performance benchmarks to ensure that, that you're on track to do it. Um, having that outlined is is a huge, huge asset to remove any, any doubt, any type of um, friction that can arise based on uh, simply not knowing and you have a basis for accountability uh, when when uh, performance doesn't take place but you know again taking the time to develop that um, is is not something I know many business owners want to take the time to do which is why you know again I come back to the the need for third-party help on those types of things so Jeff as a resident succession planner how can franchise e-owners use succession planning as a tool to better recruit, develop, and retain talent? Well, um, succession planning inherently, you know, despite many of the expectations people have of what succession planning is, it's very simply about predictability of ongoing profits. Can we continue to make money going into the future regardless? How bulletproof are we, depending on circumstances? And fundamentally, there are no future profits without leadership. So succession planning is all about people development, people's uh, training, communication, and synergy in an organization to ensure that, you know, the fall of the owner does not mean the fall of the business. Um, inherently, there are thousands of people typically in in, in an organization, whether it's vendors, families of employees, um, you know, customers, et cetera, who are impacted um, by the owner's decision or approach to people development and succession. And it's not just a simple a simple question or, or uh, issue of I'm just going to sell it someday and walk away. There's, you know, there's a stewardship approach to saying how do I take care of this and all the people that have relied on it for years and years and years. So 
Um, whether that succession plan, whether an owner looks at it and says, I'm going to sell it someday, well, if, if the owner is going to sell it someday, then the value of that business is directly related to the ability to re, you know, keep profits going in their absence. If the business falls apart when the owner's gone, then he's not going to get much value when he sells it to walk away. So the development of, of leadership continuity and, and bench strength within an organization significantly improves the value of the business, which ultimately helps that business owner achieve their goals of, of cashing in and, and moving on. You know, obviously, if the business, uh, if the intention of the owner is to transfer the business through another generation, um, of whether it's a key manager or a family member, then, um, you know, what we want to avoid is simply an owner walking up to the son and saying, here are the keys, good luck. Because I've had many situations where I've walked in. In particular, I've asked one manager um, in a confidential interview as we go through our process who said, look, you know, five seconds after Junior gets the keys, I'm walking out of here. Well, <laughs> that's not going to work very well for continuing that business. So in as a succession planner, the core of what we do is the continuation of success and leadership within the organization. And there's lots of ways to go about doing this. As I said, there's non-qualified deferred comp plans um, to lock people in. Um, you know, there's lots of different options to go through to make sure that whether you cash out for a high number or you continue it uh, through, a, want to continue it through a family member, uh, we are positioned to achieve top dollar uh, for now and going forward. Yeah, let me add that, you know, in the ongoing organization, to be able to better recruit, develop, and retain talent, it's, you know, at all the levels, right? So Jess spoke a lot about the top levels, right, the owner to into the next person in line. Uh, I remember within uh, a couple of the brands that I work with, when we prepare succession planners in the corporate level, we went from the higher up, from the CEO, literally, all the way through VPs, directors, managers, specialists, like all the way down to the point, okay, now after this level is where we're going to recruit people from, right? And so that succession planning or that plan or process uh, growth uh, is at all the levels. So, so how do I go from you know, being an entry-level employee to go into a, you know, maybe a trainer to being a uh, assistant to becoming a manager, you know, all the different possible levels. And I think that to be able to uh, use succession planning or growth, you know, plan or if you want to call it the pyramid of success like they did at Domino's, um, I think that one of the things that is going to be important to be able to recruit, develop, and, ta and retain talent is to share that plan, to share that uh, that process in which employees can go through. And you can do that constantly to the people that are in the organization, so they you don't let them forget that that's you know how they can continue to grow. Uh, and you can also use that if you have it have it in a, in a in a great way that you can communicate it at the interview. So as you're filling in positions, you can tell the people that you're not just applying for this position, but, you know, when you join an organization, you're joining the opportunity to go through all this process and get to, you know, to the top. Uh, and I think that's a great tool to hire people that are looking for that, you know, the organizations where they have opportunities like that. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, earlier, the second thing is 
actually living that plan in a way that it is true that people can then see that other people are going through that and actually getting to those higher levels as, you know, as they work themselves through and they've proven uh, with results. And I think that that's, if you do that, communicate to the people that are in your organization, communicate with the people as you're interviewing, recruiting, and hiring them, and then living it on a day-to-day basis uh, as, as a real thing uh, is how you can then use that to be able to retain that talent. So, Aisha, what do you feel are the impacts to the industry and um, the profession if franchise owners don't make the mental shift it takes to recruit and and retain future leaders? You know, if they don't, they will find themselves constantly short-staffed and spending a large amount of time, money, and resources recruiting for people uh, because they don't, you know, because people don't stay. And, And so... That is is the risk that they're taking. You know, if you don't have a focus, a strategy, a, a a process on recruiting and the right people and retaining them for as long as you can, you're going to find yourself constantly short-staffed and spending the time and effort doing that. Instead of focusing on growing your business and making it healthier and uh, and bigger. And so that's a huge risk that they're taking. And, and it's a big part, you know, um, of what I talk about. It's a big part of what I have written in my books. And, uh, and it's one of the things that are overlooked. People say, well, I'm just going to hire people, you know, but it, it takes time for you to hire the right person. You know, Jeff mentioned earlier how sometimes we just hire the first person that walks in that, you know, that can breathe and walk and talk. And, and, and that's the, exactly the things that gets us in trouble. Because, you know, one bad apple can ruin, you know, the whole basket. And you might not even realize that that's what's happening because unless you're there observing it, you know, you won't realize that one person might be the one that's causing, you know, the, the, the you know, the low morale or the bad attitude or the noncompliance. And, and so each hire is so important. And the process in which you put them through is going to be important to then retain them. And so... For sure, this is one of the one of the uh, business owner processes that that attention and time has to be given and has to be followed in a way that it protects the brand and it protects the people and it protects the business so that you can grow and spend the time in the things that are going to help grow the company and not just you know keep you know uh, closing the holes created by the, the turnover that you have. And Jeff, what about from your perspective? Well, I think the the industry is at an interesting time right now, and in my conversations with lots of different franchisors, uh, there is a, a a pretty high sense of um, concern, almost you know, getting to panic as as time goes on, due to the fact that very few franchisees have identified a a plan for continuity of the business. Um, and you know, as I've talked to a few fr- uh, franchisors. You know, who say that, you know, um, 70% of their, their profits or their cash flow is coming from, you know, 20 to 30% of their franchisees, and many of whom are either family-owned businesses or, you know, or, or aging franchisors who haven't, ex- uh, sorry, franchisees who haven't expressed a plan uh, for continuing. And so these franchisors are sitting there saying, we're going to have to take on quite a bit here, or at least we're going to have a massive restructuring coming up unless we have a plan for it. Um, 
you know, continue, I think there's going to be consolidation in the industry as well, um, as many of these organizations are, you know, without leaders. Um, there's going to be an opportunity to swoop up and pick them up um, probably fairly cheaply um, to add to portfolios for people who have done the planning. Um, so I think that the industry is going to see a lot of lot of change and turmoil um, unless organizations are are addressing the recruiting and retention of leaders, and whether that's the development of family members, developing key managers, or going out and, and getting some hired guns to keep this thing going. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a pretty questionable uh, future there for for many of the franchisors. You know, what the one of the other things that comes up is that um, you know franchisees and franchisors at times will view themselves as conflicting parties. Well, probably more often than not, but um, the truth is they all want the same thing, and that's to get as much money out of these businesses as possible. And the you know a mistake many franchisees make is that they feel that um, they can put a plan in place but not communicate it to the franchisor um, out of fear that <clears throat> it could be leveraged or it can you know may not be approved, and then they leave the, the transition period um, up to chance because nothing's been you know communicated beforehand. And the truth is the communication of a plan um, is best done while the franchisee is doing well. The, the franchisor is most likely to say yes and approve a plan in place as long as they're they are making money and, and performing where they're supposed to be. So there's a lot of communication that needs to take place on this topic, um, you know, in order to uh, make everybody feel a little bit more comfortable about where the industry is headed. So, Jeff, where to finish uh, this conversation, um, where are today's leaders? <laughs> uh, they're, they're, they're everywhere. There, there's no, again, there's no cookie cutter for this. And as I said, we use a lot of different uh, strength-based assessments um, to help identify each individual's strength um, within the organization with an understanding of what leadership under that person would look like. Um, so there is any personality uh, can be a leader. It's just a question of development. Um, and, you know, Taisha's point earlier, it's whether you have a, a college degree or a high school degree doesn't necessarily preclude you from, from leading anything. Um, it's, it's just the, the personal development, um, particularly as it relates to within the organization. So today's leaders, they're everywhere. They just need some development. Yeah, I agree with Jeff. You know, it's uh, it is a matter of us being proactive in looking around, not only in the outside and recruiting and hiring from the from the outside, but I will tell you that within the organizations there are leaders in all of their ranks, and we're just not making the effort to go looking for them. Uh, we, you know, for some reason we think that only the extrovert power people, you know, the ones that are driving things. Uh, are the ones that could be leaders. But in reality, you know, that quiet, you know, young man or woman in the back that might be doing dishes or uh, doing their paperwork uh, in a quiet way, they could be great leaders. And if we don't even ask them if they're interested, um, we will never know that they could have been the next great one. And so I think it is part of the responsibility of the franchise owners, business owners, for them to, as they are looking for the in the outside for future leaders, that they really make a concerted effort in looking within the organization because they could be surprised. I've seen it so many times uh, when you go out into 
into the into the uh, organization and ask, just ask, you know, have you ever just thought about wanting to be a manager? Have you ever thought about wanting to be a leader? And unless you ask, some people just don't raise their hands. But once you ask, you'd be surprised how many said, yeah, I would love to, but I just don't even know how, you know, and that's when you can start the conversation. So you don't necessarily have to look in the outside. There are lots of people within, even if they're not telling you, but as the owner and franchise and a uh, business owner, you, it is your responsibility to go and look and ask your people, you know, are you interested in being a leader? Because when you do that, you might find those uh, those gems within your organization that are going to take you to the next level and you're going to make a difference in their world and your own business. Well, guys, thank you so much. This has been um, such a rich uh, conversation about leadership, recruitment, and retention. Um, thank you for being on the uh, kickoff um, conversation of advancing your business, your people, and your legacy. Um, Aisha, if people want to find more information about you, can you share a little bit about where they can um, find your website and a little bit about your books? Yeah, absolutely. You can uh, find me at AmericanFranchiseAcademy.com. Just simply www.americanfranchiseacademy.com. And you can find my books are on Amazon. One of them is the Franchise Fix. The second one is Multi-Unit Franchise Mastery. They're both in Amazon. And uh, if you ever want to reach out to me, my email is Aisha, A-I-C-H-A, B as in boy, Aisha B, at AFAMail.com. And I'll be happy to help. Great. Awesome. And Jeff, what about you? Um, email address, phone number, whatever you want to share. Yep. Um, you, I can be reached at uh, Jeff Bannon, J-E-F-F-B-A-N-N-O-N, at Rawls Group, R-A-W-L-S-G-R-O-U-P.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. I hope you have um, a great rest of the day. Thank you. You too. Thanks, Kendall. Thanks, Aisha. All right. Bye.